0: Welcome to the Jabbadoo Education Podcast, episode 23.
1: The innocent classroom is pre-curricular and pre-disciplinary because if the relationship is built, the questions about discipline become completely different. Children don't... Their response to educate, to teachers, is completely different if they feel like that teacher actually knows them and cares about them.
0: You're listening to the Jabbadoo Education Podcast, I'm your host, John Ruths, and I'm going to introduce you to some of the leading professionals in the fields of education, psychology, and leadership to bring you the most relevant and up-to-date tips, tricks, and tools for you to use in your classroom. Welcome to Jabadoo. Hello, teachers and educators, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Jabadoo Education Podcast. Today, I sit down with Alex Pate. He is the developer of the Innocent Classroom and author of the book with the same title. Uh, and he now travels the country leading professional development trainings uh, for teachers on how they can, uh, what he likes to say, dismantle racism in our schools. At least that's that's the goal of his company, is to dismantle racism in our schools. And uh, the way that he teaches how we can start to do that is through really getting to know our students, really empathizing with them, and preserving what he calls the innocence. Uh, and I originally got connected with Alex through, uh, he did a virtual training through ASCD a few weeks back. And uh, I, attended that, I attended that session and I just thought it was so impactful. It kind of, it gave me a framework for things that I knew, like I, I already know that I'm doing as a teacher. It just gave me a framework and it gave me the research to back those actions right and that's a big thing of what he says that through all of his process they've collected so much research basically saying that yes his training does help with this um, which is so cool and uh, I had such a uh, that that training was so impactful that I reached out to him and I said hey you know I would love for my audience to be able to hear that um, that conversation so that's what we have today and we've got a really really great show for you Um, And if you enjoy what you hear in this episode and you want to learn more about Alex and about his uh, company and what they are doing to help uh, dismantle racism in our schools, he is having a virtual conference happening here on December 5th and 12th of 2020. Um, So the link to that conference will be on our show notes page, so you can check that out by going to javadoo.com slash show twenty three. And there again, um, we will have the link to the virtual conference. We will have links to everything else that we talk about in this episode, uh, all of our exit ticket questions and answers, everything. So go check that out, jabadoo.com/episode23. We also now finally have some Jabadoo merch, um, and not only are you able to get the Jabadoo logo and the owl, we now have some T-shirts that have uh, these amazing teacher quotes. Um, and if you, uh, again, on the show notes page, there'll be a link to it, but if you go to jabadoo.com slash merch, you can check those out. Um, yeah, just, uh, I have a friend from high school that reached out to, she does graphic design and she just did a great job making these shirts. So, um, I would love for you to go check those out again, jabadoo.com slash merch, great t-shirts for dress down days or just in general showing your teacher pride. So, uh, go check those out. I think that's enough for me. Let's get into my conversation with Alex Pate. Okay, so today on the Jabba Education Podcast, I am sitting down with Alex Pate. He is the president and CEO of Innocent Technologies and the creator of The Innocent Classroom. He is also a New York Times best-selling author who has written five novels, a children's book, a book of nonfiction, and has curated numerous literacy analogies excuse me, anthologies. Uh, his latest book, The Innocent Classroom, Dismantling Racial Bias for Children of Color, was just published in August. So, congratulations on that most recent uh, publication. Alex, Thank how are you doing?
1: I'm great, John. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm happy and honored to be sitting here with you tonight, today.
0: I appreciate that. I'm happy and honored to that you're sitting here with me today. <laughs> <laughs> a mutual honor uh, uh, was- <laughs> mutual sentiment yeah so i was uh um i attended your uh training through ascd uh, about you know the project that you're doing here with uh, the innocent classroom and uh the the company that you've now started to promote this in schools um so i'm really excited to dive into it with you and, and uh, cover some of the bases of some of that training but before we do that I was hoping we could just step back in time a few years and uh, let's find out what, I mean, what was your schooling experience? You know, what were some of the highs and lows for you coming through school um, and kind of what led you down the path of uh, originally being a creative writer? Not original. I mean, you you still are doing some creative writing, obviously, but um, that was kind of your first career path, if I'm not
1: mistaken. Well, actually, actually it, well, perhaps. I mean, there's a way, you know, there's an <laughs> float
0: everything. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. It's, it's, especially when it comes to being a writer, like you don't know where you, I know where I started. I know when I started writing, but the, the period of time that I was building myself up by reading and by reading other writers and having this deep desire to communicate and to be a part of this literary world, uh, that took a long time. And I, I, you know, credit my mom back when I was very young. I I say, I I joke all the time that my mom used to throw books at me, you know, (laughs) get up to your room and throw books and then shut the door. And and I spent so much time reading and I, I felt like my mother always felt like reading was the new underground railroad. Like Mm -hmm. that was my way out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I grew up in North Philadelphia. Um, uh, a, f- a complete family, dad and mom together. And, uh, but the emphasis was the emphasis on education at school was extremely high. And so they watched me and supported me all the way through elementary school. It started to fade a little bit as I got older, because I started to push back and became a little bit more rowdy or sort as, of most my, as most teenagers do. Teenagers do in high school. But I will. I have to admit. Someone also not long ago asked me, uh, "Had I had a teacher that had um, done what I'm asking teachers to do for me?" And I had to admit, no. No teacher ever really saw me. No teacher ever really noticed uh, noticed me except when I was doing something bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have an, I never experienced an innocent classroom the way some of the educators that we're working with now have created for some of their children in, in their classrooms. So I was, I was, I was a spotty academically engaged, um, student, but I loved learning. I just necessarily didn't necessarily report it back to the people who needed to see (laughs) that. Right. I, because like I said, I, I was widely read and, and continue to be fairly widely read. Uh, Although my reading these days is a lot less than it once was, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, I, in, in Philadelphia where I grew up, um, the school down the street was a pretty okay school, but I knew I was in trouble when I got to high school and, uh, the math teacher said, "Well, we're not going to talk about square root today, or we're not going to t- we're not going to cover square root in this class because I'm I'm sure you all have had that, and know <laughs> this is ninth grade algebra, and I knew then I was in big trouble because I didn't even know what square root man, was. <laughs> and so uh the anxiety level shoot through the shot sky, right man. up. So yeah, no, I so I have to say that." Growing up as a black boy in Philadelphia public schools, um, you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you're missing. Um, but as you get older, you realize that the quality of education and the idea of education is different in different communities based on resources and um, just the environment that you are engaged in. And mm-hmm. and so I, I I look back fondly on my childhood as a student, but I can't claim that education was a critical piece to that. Although obviously it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. Yeah. Um, one question that I usually like to ask uh, is, did you have a teacher that left an impact on you and why?
1: Not for any good reason.
0: Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah, one of those sure.
1: things where I, in I, I, just remember a Spanish teacher in high school um, and uh, I was learning Spanish, I think really effectively, but I was also uh, not a great student at the time. And, um, and she created this acronym for me, it publicly in the class. And I still remember it, obviously. So obviously, it was, yeah, it was powerful and it was Pate can never save his grade, which was all of the Latin Latin American countries, uh, Panama Costa Rica Nicaragua Salvador Honduras Guatemala okay oh, right and I <laughs> <laughs> it was ingenious and yes
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's creative and I suppose it got what she wanted
1: out of it but got what she wanted I mean so um turn that around today and my affection for educators is pretty sky high, mm-hmm. like the challenge, I think educators, teachers face um, with the students that they are uh, educate. are they're prepared to teach with the environment that they engage in and the world of public school education and urban education in particular, it's a huge challenge. And the teachers that I've met in this business now do um, an amazing job to. To try to stay at a level of effectiveness with all of the children that they teach. Yeah, and that's, that's the world great. has changed. The world has changed.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, especially in the last uh, whatever this is four or five months, when when we've really seen an uptick in um, you know the talks around racial uh, injustice um, yeah. in our country. You know, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, going back to just the the mention about teachers, I, I think. Uh, teachers also, uh, we were, I mentioned this earlier before we hit record, teachers like have this intrinsic desire to leave an impact, right? And that's part of the reason uh, we come into teaching. And um, the other part is that we likely enjoyed learning as a student, right? And, and just the school system is, is a place that we thrived. Uh, and it can be really shocking that first year that you teach where you realize, okay, not every kid thrives in this system like my experience was. Right. right and I think that's um that's such a crucial uh notion to to keep in mind is that there are some students who this is just not their thing and so the the challenge of roping those students in and, and creating meaningful learning for them uh, is is something that it's it requires skills that we did not think we needed before I think
1: I think that's absolutely correct and I think um given the external, forces that are impacting our children now across racial lines, but particularly for kids of color. I mean, we're asking them to come into a system. We're asking them to walk in from the outside where the outside has its own set of pressures and issues, which are, I think, uh, exponentially greater than they were when I was young, Mm. Uh, where the power of external uh, indicators um, Contemporary popular iconography—all of that stuff—is impacting the way they engage, enter into the educational environment. All of our children don't are not um, the world in which they walk into is not set up to respond to them based on where they just left, and so bridging that gap building a re- you know my work is all about creating relationships between teachers and students yeah uh and making that connection with them so that they let go of negative the negative stuff that follows them or that is draped on their shoulders relieving them of some of that weight so that they can engage fully as curious engaged le- learners
0: right and just yeah that that bridge between a uh, teacher and student and Teacher and community, even um, yeah. I've had that conversation too. Just knowing the community yes. in which you're teaching, yes. the population of students who are coming to you, that knowing uh, that community more in depth um, is another another crucial step. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, all all of uh, what we're talking about and and all the work that you've been doing in the last couple of years is is compounded or is uh, encapsulated in uh, this new book that you've uh, had published titled "The Innocent Classroom," which is. Uh, all about the the work that you're doing um, with your company, uh, the Innocent Classroom, and um, I'm really excited to to dive into this and and uh, have this conversation. So, um, on your website, you've got a, a fantastic uh, YouTube uh, three-minute video or whatever it is, uh, just welcoming and explaining what the Innocent Classroom is and what it looks like. Um, I just wanted to highlight uh, the. Um, the innocent class, the mission of the innocent classroom is to dismantle racism in our schools, Um, which uh, I mean, that's, that's not a a mission that's going to be completed in one year. You know, you you definitely wish that it would, you know, Um, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people. Uh, We had uh, David Kirkland out of NYU on the podcast. Not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, He does a lot of great work in this area too. Uh, But the, our school system is fairly archaic (laughs) in terms of what we are uh the the structures that are have been put in place were put in place by people of like white males right i mean those those systems were there and you uh, as a white male i kind of hope that there wasn't any bias written into that system but we are humans and there are, there are some biases and, um, yep. it's such an important conversation to have. So I love that. That is the mission. Uh, the approach to get to that mission is what you're doing with the innocent classroom. So, um, can you just define for us, what is innocent in the terms of, of the, some of the trainings that you are, uh,
1: yeah, doing I, teachers? Yeah. so, um, and, you know, actually, let me st- take a step back and tell sure. you the origin of this whole idea. Perfect. Um, there was a period in my life where I felt no matter what I was doing, um, I was dogged or haunted by negative impressions of me that I felt coming at me from the outside world. Mm. I mean, it, was, it it's, it's a very common phenomenon. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois talked about it in Souls of Black Folk. And it is a that sense that I'm a potential problem in whatever reality I'm walking into, and B that people have their own ideas about who I am despite who I actually am that I have to take into consideration yeah. as I engage. And so um, I had as a young adult, as I grew even as a man, I started to, I have always felt this sense of uh, of being a part of my own complicity in negative responses to me, always expecting the worst, always dreading certain realities, not going places because I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I call that guilt. And I call that guilt that is derived from the cumulative, the neck, the cumulative negative impact of the cumulative impact of negative stereotypes. Yeah. And I just and, and so at some point about 20 years ago, I decided I just went on a mission to free myself of the impact of negative stereotypes on my body and on my consciousness. And it was it's been meditative. And I talk about it as a meditative journey uh, as I identify a particular negative. Uh, response that I have to things that isn't native, organic to me that is somehow been uh I've been, it's been hung on me and I respond as if it's actually me when I realize right it wasn't me. I didn't right. do those things. I'm not that kind of person. You don't have to clutch your purse harder. I don't have to cross the street. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever those negative stereotypes are and they go from the benign to the greatly really negative, right? And so I began writing an essay called Revolutionary Innocence. It was intended to be a book at some point, it remains unpublished. And I was in a meeting with some folks talking about cultural competency uh, for educators. And uh, And I was there because I had just published a book called In the Heart of the Beat, The Poetry of Rap. And they were asking me whether I thought hip hop rap had some positive impact, could play some positive impact in the cultural competency training of educators. Um, but toward the end of that meeting, I started talking about this essay. For some reason, I just started talking about this essay I was writing and almost everybody kind of froze and they looked at me and said, what, are you, what do you mean by that? Guilt. What, what is the guilt? At? Where did that guilt come from? And I'm like, it's ambient, it's environmental, it's all around me. Mm-hmm. Everything tells me who I am. I never get a chance to claim who I am and to assert my origin and my organ. You know, my father was a beautiful man, a wonderful father who worked two jobs. And my mother was this. And, you know, all the people around me are all these great people. And yet I have to feel like people look at me and think something entirely different. Mm-hmm. So then uh, somebody said, well, do you think young young children, young students actually carry this around with them? And I'm like, I, I think so. I hadn't really thought about it. And there was a funder in the room and they said, well, I want you to explore that. Uh, and I began this years long process of, of gathering information spending time with educators, mostly in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, because that's where the funder was. Mm-hmm. And then they, off, they gave us the opportunity to develop a, a programmatic response and that became the Innocent Classroom. So here is what we are, here is the point. Um, I believe that our children are burdened, weighed down by the impact of negative stereotypes and iconography and negative narratives. And all of that is weighing on them as they enter the world, wherever that world is and all parts of the world. But when they come to school, it has this uh, impact in which educators who are not conscious of that weight uh, walk into an environment where, or those children walk into an environment where nobody is there to, to help them disconnect from all of that negative stuff sure.
0: yeah. for
1: six hours a day so that they can be creative and engaged learners, curious, energetic, brilliant. I think many of our children of color who don't do well in the system and many of them, many of us who do okay in the system are actually quite brilliant and their brilliance hardly ever gets identified
0: Absolutely. and nourished.
1: Right. Yeah, And so and I think largely that is the consequence of negative stereotypes, not necessarily the teacher, not necessarily the administrator, but that the world that that child comes into isn't prepared for who they actually are and what the challenges that they're confronting internally. And many of our children don't know they're engaged in that way. They don't even know that those negative stereotypes are affecting their behavior. Sure. yeah. so, um, the concept of the innocent classroom is a training that helps educators identify those guilts now. Um, all right, so let me stay with the with with your original question, which has to do with innocence. Sure. Innocence is the minimization, neutralization, or elimination. I think I said three different things. <laughs> I can't remember. Was that two eliminations and what? Mark, you know, to, to reduce and eliminate the impact of negative stereotypes, uh, so that a child can be free in a classroom. And we're because the other thing is, is that if so we ask educators when we get them in a room, what does America tell you about the students of color in your mm. classroom? And that list is a Gary list. Yeah. I mean, once we, you say to educators, I'm not talking about what you think about them. Right. I'm asking you, what does America tell you about them? And as through, I say,
0: through media and through music and through movies, anything, games, anything. yeah,
1: all of the ways in which we as young people learn,
0: consume right? information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And then I'm, I'm like, well, we know from cognitive research these days that, the subconscious is pretty powerful. Yes. And is constantly working around all of this information that is coming in. And so if you are making this list for me teachers, and I and 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 I realize this is not your personal belief right. about yeah. who the children are, but if this is the list you know that is being told to you, how does that impact you in a crisis moment? In a tough moment? And low And and even worse, can you imagine that the children already know that list just like you just said it to me? Right. And can you believe that many of your children actually believe you believe what those stereotypes are saying about them? Mm. And that's – so despite dinner – or maybe uh, because of dinner table talk, because of news – Because of all this stuff that we're talking about, uh, many children walk into classes, into schools, looking at them as places where they will not succeed because nobody ever has succeeded or the challenge is so, uh, it's just, I don't even want to use the word alien, but it is not conducive, not responsive to their needs that they can't even articulate. Right. So, Uh, The Innocent Classroom is a training that helps educators increase the level of innocence in a classroom, consequently building the opportunity for relationships and neutralizing and eliminating the impact of negative stereotypes, which is in fact a way of dismantling racism. It's a microcosmic um, detailed, a microcosmic detailed way on a personal level of undoing racism in each individual student and in each individual educator.
0: Yeah. I mean, going back to um uh just the the subconscious and and everything that students bring in. Um, the school I was out in Colorado, uh at one of our trainings, we put a, a, a piece of paper on the wall that was, I don't know, 30 feet long or whatever. And that represented every single minute of a child's life from uh, the day they enter kindergarten to the day they graduate uh, right. high school. And all of a sudden you start chipping away those hours and you realize how little time we actually get with them in person. Right. Cause you take it's 365 days a year. We only see them right. for on average, 180, roughly right. somewhere around there, 24 right. hours in a day. You're only seeing them for six, right. You know, take out recess, take out whatever, you know, it's down to actually four hours of instruction, you know, right. um, it the, the time is so minimal. So any training like this where you can maximize the time that you have with your students, right? Um is just so crucial. And going back to your point of those kids coming in already with those beliefs and with those the weight of society's expectations or not expectations, but society's beliefs you about know, guess, them. About them. Yeah. Um I mean it I've referenced this a couple of times on this episode too, but um the uh hierarchy of needs, yeah, right? That's just, it's, it's compressing uh, all the stuff down to the bottom and it doesn't allow students to get up to that top where true learning and true inspiration happens. So. Um,
1: right. And so, you know, one of the things that I think just playing off what you just said, the innocent classroom is pre-curricular and pre-disciplinary because right. this, mm-hmm. if the relationship is built, the questions about discipline become completely different. Children don't. Their response to educate to teachers is completely different if they feel like that teacher actually knows them and cares about them. Yes. I mean, and and and, and this training does create a certain vulnerability on the part of the teacher. Right. The teacher Absolutely. has. Absolutely. As you, to have to,
0: you have to acknowledge your own biases. You have to acknowledge your own, what you don't know. Right. Um, and anytime but you, you have
1: to also acknowledge what that child probably knows and what that, ch- and I think the hard part is, is that what our work does is it creates empathetic relationships between teachers and students. And when empathy is in play, that's where the vulnerability is. Right. Because it's hard if you empathize with someone, it's hard to see them struggle and not do anything about it. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh. Um, does does that tie in nicely to you? You have your um uh so we, we you talk about students good. I guess right. we'll transition right. that's, that's
1: that's the next
0: that's the next thing, yeah. That's the next thing. So go, I mean, I I was in your training, I kind of understand a little bit of it, but let's let's dive into it. Um, What is a student's good and how does that play into their guilt and their innocence?
1: So I say to teachers, a student may present themselves to you in such a way that you can feel this negative energy or whatever you want to call it where these negative stereotypes are operating in a particular child. They may be silent, they may be loud, they may be disrespectful, whatever. So that guilt exists. And we're trying to get to the point of innocence where all that stuff disappears. And we know that that can disappear. But it requires a relationship for all of that to change. So how do you create relationships? People Mm -hmm. talk about relationships being a problem. I mean, there's all, you know, but not many people, and I think this is, I mean, I'm giving away the story here, but the the powerful thing about the innocent classroom is we have a formulaic, progressive process of helping a, a teacher form a relationship with a student, and we do that by identifying this concept of good and goodness. So to go from guilt to innocence, you have to pass through the territory of good. Now, and good in the way we, I mean, I went, I mean, I'm a creative. I'm a writer, so, mm-hmm. and I've taught character development for years. And uh, I always go back to Aristotle. I mean, I don't, I can, I can talk with you about the issues about <laughs> Aristotle problematic. Got it. But the, the quotes man, are good.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> the, man, the man's got some great quotes. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> right. He stumbled on this whole thing about good that I think, it resonated with me. And that is good is the thing for which all other things are done. The source, Mm -hmm. the source. And so we ask educators, good is not in in contrast to bad or evil. Good in this concept is neutral. It creates good behavior, quote unquote. It creates bad behavior, a positive behavior and negative behavior. Good is just a reason for it. I okay. say, I, you know, to simplify this, I often say a bank robber, when a bank, when a man, when a person robs a bank, they're operating out of their good. And because maybe it's, mm-hmm. I got to feed my family. Right. Okay. I mean, trouble, right. whatever. But the person who is chasing the bank robber is also operating out of their good. Right. They have yeah. a, it's a fair play. You don't take stuff from people, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Good is neutral. Good is the thing for which all other things are done and consequently is the reason why this child won't sit still. Hmm. Find that. Find the reason why this child won't sit still. Find the reason why this child is constantly interrupting. Find the reason why uh, they only do half their homework and not all of it all the time, or whatever, whatever the whatever. issue. And it's not even all negative because good does create positive behavior too. I mean, some of our children who in the third or fourth grade operate perfectly sort yeah. of dissemble <laughs> a little bit in the fifth and sixth grades, and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Educator, find that reason. What is that? So. We have a list of guilts which we could, you know, comes from that list that educators give me. And then we created a list of goods. Um, and as an educator gets to know a child more and more, they can start to say, you know, I think this child needs to feel connected. I don't think they ever feel, I never see them connected to anything or anybody. Or this child needs to feel safe. And then we ask a teacher to strategize around that concept how do we help this child feel safe? All right. And so then we began to test out those strategies on individual children in classroom environments. And when you hit on the right thing for a child, everything flips around. I mean, we have, there's just so much anecdotal um, responses that we've gotten from educators about trying a particular strategy on a child based on their good. And also when you use the term good, you've changed already the environment in that room and in that space, even though we don't, we don't, we don't encourage educators to talk about what the the innocent classroom in the classroom, because innocence has no street cred, right? (laughs) We're not trying to create an innocent classroom out loud. We're trying to do this very (laughs) (laughs) quietly, And it's not about what you say to children. It's about what you do what you show yes. that, how that empathy manifests itself in action. So, and once you start to make that connection with a child and, you know, like I said, there are just so many stories that we've heard from educators saying, you know, I watched this child and I, I did everything you said. And then I started trying this, like putting, if you notice a child doodling airplanes all the time, it's like have a conversation with the child about airplanes. Or better, <laughs> or better still, bring a picture of an airplane and put it on that child's desk. Mm. Walk away. You know, it's like you don't have to have a conversation. you don't have to prove to them anything. If you know a child likes a particular uh, uh image or show on television or whatever. Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to actually <laughs> say Pokemon but you come in with a bag with a Pokemon image on the bag and put it on your desk. And suddenly the the student is saying, Oh, well, Hey, I can connect empathy. It opens opens up that territory. Now, I mean, we have 10 or 12 goods that educators can identify with um, like safety. For example, a lot of kids, Mm. particularly kids who are tough and seem to be Mm. uh, um,
0: have a shell. that.
1: Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. A lot of times they're just trying to protect themselves. They don't know what's going to happen next or something is, is bubbling up around them and they can't figure it out. And you, they're not going to tell you that. Right, yeah.
0: But, but if as you, long as you know that that's the, the underlying reason for their behavior,
1: you can respond,
0: you can respond. Yeah.
1: And when you respond, you'll be shocked uh, at how edu- how students respond to stu- uh to teachers in that, re- in that reality.
0: Yeah. I, I love just that, that notion of noticing a kid who's doing something that is quote unquote off track, right. Uh, this doodling, the airplanes or doodling cars. I've, I've had a number of kids who do that. And yeah, I mean, that's, how simple is that, but what's the effect that that's going to have on a kid to come in and drop a picture of, uh, you know, a 96, uh, or a 16, uh, 69 stingray or something like that. You know? I mean, yeah, it, uh, I, I, that's so just, I that's didn't fantastic. know.
1: You, I didn't. I mean, in their minds, they're thinking, well, that's I mean, what I didn't know. Mr. Ruth knew anything about cars. And how did he know? I like, I mean, that's all you need. It's,
0: it's the get? connection. You're building a connection. I, I mean, you said this a while ago, but I, I just wanted to go back to it, that all of this training, um, it doesn't exist uh, outside of curriculum and outside of behavior management, but it, it, you said it exists before. Yeah. Right. Can you just highlight what you mean by that a little bit?
1: Well, I mean that in an innocent classroom, if an educator, if a teacher comes into that environment already sort of tuned into being an innocent classroom teacher, from the very beginning, they are going to be doing some of the things we've been talking about, right? They're going to spend the first week of school, or at some point, they're going to spend time getting to know a series of ed- a students in such a way that they can anticipate their response to things. So once you get to know a child and you understand, I mean, you can see the trigger coming down the hallway. Um, and so you don't have to wait until it's a disciplinary problem. You can mm-hmm. intensify your strategic re- approach to that before it actually happens. When Uh, an event happens and everybody is gravitating to that event, you may, it's late, right? So in an innocent classroom, we try to avoid those moments, but we come into the environment at all different periods of time. I remember when in the second year of training, I had a, uh, we started, or in the first year, we started in September or in August. And in January, we started uh, a new group of educators. And as they started to sit with these ideas, many of them, I mean, I remember the day they were like, we feel like we've made so many mistakes. We can't, (laughs) we can't recover. It's too late. Uh, The relationships I'm already angry at this child. I'm already, I'm already feeling this way about this child. And, And what other educators told them was no, it's never too late to start. You can recover. And so I still, I do believe in that, but Yes. And so when I talk about it being predisciplinary, I mean that it is a way to ward off disciplinary need, the need to Mm -hmm. feel the innocent classroom is about reciprocation. It's about I am I am going to spend my time getting to know you. And as a part of that bargain, you are going to be more willing to engage in this journey that I'm laying out for you than you were before.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it it goes back to again. It goes back to the hierarchy of needs. It goes back to um, needing that empathy, those relationships, um, which are also important. And and I think we know that as teachers. But what I loved about uh, your training session is that it kind of it took all that information of what I'm I'm telling myself. Oh, I need to do this. It took all that and it kind of gave me a framework with uh, within to kind of place those, uh, uh not concepts, but I mean, to, it gave me a framework for all these ideas to say, okay, this is how you now go about do it. So go about and do it. Um, I think you, you ended last time with, uh, the good wheel. Yes. Yeah. So can we, can we end with that? Cause that was what kind of, that was the framework that I said, you know what, this is what makes so much sense to me. This is where these behaviors are coming from. This is how I can intervene yeah. with these behaviors. This is how yeah. I can be preemptive. And, 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 you know, cause if, if you're reacting to a behavior, you're too late, right? Yeah. The the goal is to, to create the stuff on the front end so the behavior doesn't happen. Right. So what is this good wheel?
1: <laughs> so, so the good wheel is, um, The behavior, I mean, when, when behavior is happening, whether it's silence or whether it's loudness, whatever that behavior is, Mm -hmm. is on the outer ring of this wheel.
0: Right. So it's, it's a, just for visual, it's a three ring wheel, right? You got a a center ring, a middle ring and an outer ring. Yeah. Right. The outer ring is behaviors.
1: And even though I said this was predisciplinary, there are certain things on that outer wheel that require discipline. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So if, if, if somebody's fighting, they're fighting. You have to yeah, yeah. stop that, right? <laughs> if somebody throws a chair, but they're only gonna, you know, in a classroom mm. or breaks a window in the bus or whatever happens, happens. Yeah. There is discipline. There is discipline that must follow that. This is, I am not yeah. advocating no discipline. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: you, but you pass through that space really quickly. And if you know that child, you can go directly, well, let me just stay with this. The outer ring is the behavior that you're seeing or anticipating. The second ring are all the negative stereotypes that exist in the world uh, for uh, a native child or for uh, an African-American child or for a Hmong child or whatever, for mm-hmm. a Latin, uh, Hispanic or Latinx child. The stereotypes exist, so you know the reason why this behavior is showing up is because this child has latched on, or a, a, a number of negative stereotypes have latched on to that child, and then you pass through that phase really quickly to get to their good. So, and when you, and then you say, well, I think uh, in this case, this child needs to feel like their somebody is around to see them and to hear and to and to hear what they have to say and you respond to the to the good first. And so when you see when when you experience the goodwill in actuality, you understand that behavior is happening, you understand where it's coming from, but you're not preoccupied with that. You're responding to it, but you're not preoccupied. What you're preoccupied with is the question why. Mm-hmm. And that is what I constantly present to teachers. Why? And if and teachers will routinely say and I mean, and I start off by saying how much I respect and admire many of the teachers I've worked with, but all of them in the beginning felt like they knew who their students were. They all did.
0: Sure. Yeah. But if you yeah, ask that five student, questions, yeah. he plays you, the sport. And right. Right. Right, played,
1: right. But if you he ask he them five hard them. questions, it breaks down really quickly. Sure. Right. Because we've never been asked to know our students quite that well. But I'm saying in this environment, in this world, our children need to know who you are. There are so many people they can't trust. So many Mm. ways in which they are challenged outside your classroom, that the more you can show them that you care about them, the more likely they are to trust you and the more likely they are to reveal their goodness to you. And when that is present, the behavior stops when you when you've engaged in so i mean we have a goodwill and then we have a good goodwill which you didn't
0: oh. see. <laughs> do you want to dive, dive into that or is that going to be a uh, uh, you got the taste now the you need to go book, get the no.
1: <laughs> go get the book <laughs> no the second and you know actually the goodwill is not present in the printed copy of the book but it is uh present in our work study guides that are online mm-hmm. that um are connected To the book, but the good goodwill is where the behavior, the good is in the center, and there's only two rings: the the good and the behavior that arise from the good.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I'm just, I'm reliving uh, the training (laughs) and it's just, it's fantastic. It's just uh, all my head is spinning on all the things that I can now start to tweak even in COVID world, where I am now jumping to all the classrooms instead of all the kids coming to my classroom, um, which has its own challenge. That's a, that's a conversation for another time.
1: You can also (laughs) recommend or take a look. The book tries to go through this in a very detailed way. It's a very slim book, of course, but, um,
0: My favorite type.
1: (laughs) Exactly. This is a night reading one night. I mean, although it is on another level kind of dense, because this asks so much of the teacher before they walk into the classroom. This is all about head and heart. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about. And so that whole time dynamic thing that you talked about, how we only really have four hours, it's going to seem daunting in the beginning. But I guarantee, and I talk about this in the book, that the investment of that time returns itself.
0: Absolutely. Quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just in dealing with it's not even just with students, just in dealing with people like you, you connect with them on a person to person level. And then you get to the the more uh, deep level stuff. Right. It's it's yeah. about that connection. It's about that empathy. And we already
1: um, do this because we do it with the people we love and who love us in our real lives. We, We know they're good. We Mm -hmm. generally do. And so this is about just transferring the way we interact with people we know well and who we care about and who care about us into an environment where you don't have to have the same level of, I mean, we're talking about a professional relationship here, right? But in the process of that, we are talking about empathy and action.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, to get to, to, to get a student to use their brain, you got to have that connection with their heart. Um, I think
1: you do in these days. I think you do.
0: I, I think so, too. Um, wow, this this has been wonderful. Um, we will link to the book. We will link to your website so everybody can go uh, check those out on the show notes page. Um, right. Before we wrap up and go to our exit ticket questions, is there anything that we didn't get to cover that you want to uh, just shout out quick?
1: No, I think, I think this was a very, I mean, I really appreciated the opportunity to talk about the book. Um, All I can say is we have a lot of data to validate, you know, the claims that that I'm making and the impact it has on educators and on children. And I guess the last thing I would say is I started off at the way I talked about, and I'm ending up or we're in this part now where I feel like educators can't be liberators for children of color.
0: Hmm. Free them
1: to achieve
0: free them to achieve. I like it.
1: That's our company motto.
0: Okay. Free them to achieve. There you go. Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Um, Let us move on then to our exit ticket questions. These are the same four questions that I ask everyone. And normally I give everybody more of a heads up than I gave you. And I apologize for that. So you are hearing these for the first time, what was that 45, 50 minutes ago? So yeah. <laughs> if, if for whatever reason you, uh, you know, later on you say, oh wait, this is a, this is a better answer. Um, we will link everything on the show notes page. So if, if you shoot that email over to me later, um, we'll, we'll, might have something you. there. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, question number one is, uh, do you have a book recommendation? Other than your own, <laughs> that teachers should mean, go it's read. It. Real, that's
1: a monkey wrench. Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah i I was just thinking, like I am reading. I read such a disparate range of books, but I would say the thing. And he's re- he's receiving a kind of resurgent interest right now. But I would say almost any book. No, not any book. I would say James Baldwin, Price of the Ticket.
0: Okay, that's the first time that one's been uh, said. So
1: it's all, I mean, it's not a contemporary book, but James Baldwin was about 50 years ahead of his time.
0: Okay. So, what, what can you just give us a 30, 30 minute synopsis? What is that? Book? Well, it's a
1: series of essays that he's written, many of which have existed in separate publications or in books. He was just a brilliant man who understood the challenge that America was facing as it relates to race. And we didn't listen to him. I mean, and he's a gentle, he's, it's gentle, it's firm, it's aggressive, it's powerful. Um, and he just knew so much about us at that time. And, you know, this is 1950s, 1960s. He knew so much about us and uh, we forgot. Uh, so I would say Bowen is... Um, he's a man of all seasons as it relates to people relating to each other. And as it relates specifically to relationships.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always in awe of people that, you know, hindsight's 2020, 20, right? So these people who say something and, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, everybody's going, That's oh. when exactly. you were right.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Some of us have been saying that about him since he was here, He's passed on now, mm-hmm. but, but I, I hear his name spoken a lot more often today than I did two years ago.
0: Yeah. And what a legacy is that for him? That's amazing. Yep. All right. Question two is, uh, what resource would you recommend teachers go uh, look at?
1: Well now can I, can I use my own resource? Oh
0: I'll, yes, absolutely. Uh, not the book, <laughs> but,
1: but, but Innocent Classroom is having a conference in December, which okay. I, can't, I, I can't give you the date, but if you link to our website, it will be there. Uh, where we bring educators from all of the cities and districts that we're working with um, and folks exchange ideas about work in the classroom, about how to strategize about good, uh, questions about goodness and guilt and all of that. And so one of the things I wanted to create was a community in which educators talked about innocence. Because, I mean, all right, I'll use this to get my last message out, which is (laughs) every classroom in this country ought to be an innocent classroom.
0: I mean the 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 premise or the the premise behind your work and and the the what it brings for students and what it brings for teachers I absolutely agree that there's there's no reason why every classroom shouldn't be Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So is that going to be a, a a digital conference or is that going to be yeah, a digital
1: It's okay. a digital conference.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that'll work out perfectly actually because I think I have this uh conversation slated to be right at the end of November or right at the beginning of December. So um Perfect. Uh, So that will be linked uh, again on our show notes page and uh, on your website. So we'll make sure to get that there. Cool. Perfect. Uh, Question number three is what piece of advice would you like to give teachers, maybe particularly teachers who are just starting off their career?
1: I think the advice is, and I've sort of said it, but the children in front of you, particularly i mean all of the children are fun in front of you but especially the children of color and particularly the african american and hispanic and latinx kids in front of you have a history and a depth that if you don't haven't really been nurtured with and nourished by you can easily miss it my advice is don't miss it
0: mm.
1: find it and uh, explore that with them in such a way that you give back to them more than just the simple academic, the promise of academic movement. Yeah. See
0: your kids and know your kids.
1: See your kids and know them.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. And like we've said already, like once you do that, I mean, the learning will come. Yep. You take that's care of it. those first that's two, the learning it. will come. That's
1: it. That's it. That's yeah. it.
0: Awesome. Uh, If anybody has any questions about what they heard today or just wants to reach out to you or reach out uh, to find more about you, where's one place that I should send them?
1: Go to the website, innocentclassroom.com.
0: Innocentclassroom.com. And again, that will all be linked to our show notes. Alex Pate, thank you so much. This was a fantastic, I had a fantastic time with your training. This has been such a fantastic conversation. I'm so so excited to get this out to everybody.
1: I am, I'm happy to have been here. I was honored in the beginning. I'm super happy now uh, that uh, I just feel like it was a very meaningful conversation. I appreciate it very much.
0: I appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: I told you. I told you it was a good one. <laughs> um, obviously, a huge thank you to Alex Pate and his whole team over there at the Innocent Classroom and what they're doing. Um, yeah, man, what a, what a great conversation. Um, I think uh, for me, my biggest thing is uh, just one. Uh, this idea that everything is coming from um, people's goods, right? People act out of their good. Um, that that uh quote by um uh, Aristotle, right? That good is that for the sake of which everything else is done. And I think that shift in mindset, at least for um how we how we think about student behavior, especially when it comes to misbehavior, right? Um, what is the good? that that student is acting out of. Right. Um, that analogy that Alex gave about, you know, the bank robber is robbing a bank because he needs the money for his family. And, and for whatever reason that, you know, that's his good, you know, what are, what are some of these behaviors that our students are doing that they're acting out of their good. Right. Um, I think that's just, it's a, it's a nice shift. Um, it's not going to be every situation obviously, but, um, uh, you know, you can, you can start to use that lens as a filter for how we react in certain situations, right? Instead of reacting to the behavior, react to the um, motivation for that behavior. Uh, and that, that shift in mindset, like I said, that, that just hit me uh, in this episode and um, hopefully it hit you too. Uh, and if not, please let me know what did hit you in this episode. Um, go find our show notes uh, or our Facebook post. Um, and leave a comment. What, what was the thing that you got out of uh, Alex training? Um, would love to hear from you. Uh, again, if you are interested in hearing more about the innocent classroom and what they are doing, um, they have a virtual conference coming up here on December 5th and December 12th, 2020. So if you are listening past December 12th of 2020, I am so sorry you've missed it. But <laughs> for those of you listening, when this episode airs uh, or the, the week after um, virtual conference, uh, December 5th and 12th through the Innocent Classroom. Um, link to that is on our show notes page. You can find those at jabadoocom slash show23. Um, one last plug for uh, we've got these awesome teacher quote t-shirts. Um, got some uh, just some really cool designs. Perfect, uh, good quality um, fabric. Uh, so they're comfortable and um, would love for you to go check those out. It's one of the other one of the ways that you can support Um, this episode and this show uh, is go check those out jabadoocom slash merch if you are interested in purchasing uh, alex's book or any of the other books that are mentioned here um, the links to those books on our show notes page are actually uh, affiliate links so um, if you go purchase the book through those links that will kick back to this uh, podcast and help us produce more episodes like this Um, as always uh, go Check us out on Facebook, jabbadoo.com, or excuse me, facebook.com slash groups slash jabbadoo. Um, you can subscribe to the newsletter. I send out uh, an email newsletter once a week, just reminding you about the the upcoming episode or anything else that we are doing. Um, go subscribe to that on the show notes page or at jabbadoo.com. And I think that's it. <laughs> uh, I hope you got a great, um, I hope you got some great info out of this episode. But until next time, go teach. Thank you so much for listening to the Jabadoo Education Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more evidence-based strategies for improving your educational career, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can get the next episode as soon as it is released. If you think this information was beneficial and you think more teachers should hear it, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this episode with a colleague, either through a text message, email, or social media. And last but not least, if you think more teachers need to hear more of what we are talking about, Please go leave us a five-star rating and review on your platform of choice, and that will simply let the algorithm know that you are finding value in this content, and it will help boost our show to the top of the list when people search for education shows. Thank you, I appreciate you, and I will see you on the next episode of the Jabbadoo Education Podcast.